Hi, I'm Dr. Kyla, paediatric dietitian, fussy eating specialist, and mum of two. I'm the founder of the online Mealtimes memberships that help parents just like you experience a confident and guilt-free way of feeding children. I'm also a business owner, a hot cross bun lover, and my superpower is finding things that you cannot live without. In this podcast, I'm talking about feeding your family, along with a random selection of topics that tickle my fancy. Welcome to Mealtimes with Dr. Kyla. Hi everyone, today's guest is Susie Pratt from Susie Pratt Lactation. Interestingly, Susie and I have actually had quite a long shared history. We went to high school together, which, did we remember that at the time? I don't think I did at the time. But no, then I feel like we didn't connect that, the dots. Yeah, we did it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she was actually one of my first clients when I started my business mealtime building blocks, which was a home visiting service for kids with feeding difficulties. So that was um, your first boy. Um, and I was actually you know, coming out to your house, which we, again, didn't really connect the dots um, until later. But the thing I love most about Susie is how serious she is about making positive change for mums in the land of breastfeeding and bottle feeding. And I feel like, Susie, I've learned so much from you personally. Like I remember you coming and helping me when I was having trouble with breastfeeding for my youngest. Um, and you also got me onto keratin treatments, which obviously have changed my life for the better. So it's some of my favourite things about you. Welcome to Mealtimes with Dr. Kyla. Amazing. Thank you. That was a great introduction. Loved it. <laughs> it's very varied to see about me I like all sorts of different topics and I'll put them all into one little thing all right let's get started with the entree I feel like I was probably shouting a bit then so I might just tone down um, my volume this bit is about your experience of mealtimes as a kid so just generally tell me about what mealtimes were like in your household growing up yeah, so I'm not sure if you even know this, but I grew up in South Africa. I didn't grow up in Australia. I moved to Australia when I was 13. Um, so the majority of me learning foods and bits and pieces were, um, yeah, in a very colonial South African experience. Um, so the things I remember is it was very prim and proper. We were always at the table. We were always dressed we were always manners was an, a huge thing from the not not in a negative way but it was a it was an expectation of us from really really little lots of three course meals with grandparents that we would sit through and just for some reason I I thought I would have a negative connotation to it but it's it was okay but the main thing that I reflect back on is my mum, my dad, not my dad, not so much. I think it was on my mum during the meal times. But um, my mum didn't have a good food, bad food thing, which I think back in the eighties there was a lot of that. Um, so there was a lot of like treat food, lollies, things in this drawer in the house. There was a, there was never a discussion about that it was off limits or anything like that. Obviously, she's not going to let us run there all the time, but. We never had a, oh, you know, you can't have that and whatnot. So when um, friends would come over, they were wild for our house because it was, you know, it was limited at their houses. And so I would always think it's super strange that kids would come over and then just keep wanting to go look in our cupboards. and <laughs> The lolly house. Yeah, see what we had. And 
my sister and brother and I never really went to it because it was just there. It just wasn't anything, you know, we knew we could have it at points. Um, and so as much as we had a very, um, like the expectation of us being at the table and eating eating what was there, at the same time, there was never anything about the type of food that we were eating, which I think for the three of us, I think I can talk for Taryn and Craig as well, my brother and sister, we've never thought of food being bad or food being good or because mum just never spoke about it, which talking to other people, I think in the 80s, that's not that common. Yeah. So the rules were more around like how you behave at around food as opposed to like what you can and can't eat. Yes, yes, absolutely. So it was how we sat at the table, how we held our knife and fork, were our elbows on the table, like how we cut our meat from really early on and then not, you know, getting up before we were allowed to get up and things like that. There were some things I was just messaging my sister last night when I was thinking about this (laughs) and I said, oh, do you remember when mum used to make us eat our peas? And we, we used to call them like rubbish bin peas because that's what we thought they tasted like and sometimes I reckon peas do taste like that when they're I been agree wholeheartedly <laughs> yeah they don't taste that nice and we said no mum not the rubbish bin peas and we used to sit there and so she did I think there were times when she made us sit there and eat things but yeah. I think she I don't have an I don't feel like she was too strict about it because I don't I feel like she probably was like oh actually it's fine um but yeah, the main the main things about my upbringing is certainly just how we composed ourselves around. I have so this. many questions. One: Do you eat peas <laughs> as an adult now? No, don't eat peas. No, no I eat them in like a stew or something if they yeah. were there and it arrived on my fork. But no, and I and I don't tend to serve them because I just never think about it. It's not something I ever think. Oh, let's go and get some peas. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Um, and you said you had to get dressed for dinner is that like you had to change your outfit like into a dinner outfit uh no so we we couldn't so let me just think for example like breakfast we had to be out of our pajamas and and in clothes um dinner time we if we were dirty we had to be in clean clothes you know kind of sorted out not in dinner clothes but we had to we couldn't just be sitting there in like mud filled clothes or, you know, like I know for now, my kids come to the table like in undies. If they want, you know, there's no, uh, that would never, have been, never have been allowed. And my kids, you know, often that they're like, you know, they lie on the table with their, their heads on the table because they're whinging about something. <laughs> or, you know, a foot makes it onto the food. Oh my God. I feel thin. Not us, but then obviously I didn't take that, you know, to to say that that was the best way because I've never done that with my kids. Yeah. So it feels think, like a lot of effort. Yeah. Oh, so much effort for 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 what really? Because we were yeah. just at home eating dinner. Yeah. Oh well, I'll have to notice next time I eat with you how like well you use your knife and fork. And oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what did you eat as a kid? What kind of foods were regularly on the menu? Okay, so. Very traditional food, like roast meat, three veg, um, lots, so lots and lots of roasts, um, stews, don't have great memories of those, but I know that we definitely had stews. Um, very meat heavy being in South Africa. We lived in an area called the Trans Sky, which was like the game 
farm area. So very meat heavy. Um, there was always, you know, chops and steak and um, lamb and things like that. And it was always a meal like I know certainly for my kids, like anything goes in terms of if I feel like the, the dinner needs to be wheat bix and fruit bowl, then that, then I don't mind that. But we never would have had that as a child. Like a meal has to have some fruit, some meat, with the veg around it. Very, if we had like spaghetti bolognese, mum would always make like a proper salad and some bread next to it and have it on a proper plate where I would just give spaghetti bolognese in a plastic bowl with nothing else um, yeah. for my kids. So, yes, it was all very traditional and lots of, um, if we did have that grandparents over, which we had a lot, then it was like starter main dessert, the yeah, whole okay. the whole hog sitting, you know. So it was a, it was a long process. It, things changed hugely when we moved to Australia. Things became more Aussie because back in South Africa, mum didn't do the cooking because she had helpers. So um, it was when she realised she had to do everything, it was very different. The salad fell off the table yeah. and she was like, oh, I'll stuff that. I'm not making 45 meals. <laughs> why, am I, why am I washing a lettuce? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Um, do you think you were a healthy yeah. kind of eater or a fairly adventurous eater or just kind of somewhere in the middle? I was I was pretty adventurous, yeah. All of us were, all three of us, I would say, were adventurous we mum said she's never really had an issue we and the other thing is though we're we also had this idea because we had such a big family in South Africa and we all sat together um I think I used to sometimes feel a bit nervous at the, as I was getting older a bit nervous at the table if I didn't eat or if I didn't you know pretend that I liked something like it was a bit of a show yeah um but certainly when we were little, mum, when we were little, there we didn't have fussy, you know, and so and my kids are fussy now. So it has been a big change, actually, quite confronting to see when you don't grow up like that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm really interested to kind of hear more about that. And even like your parents' perceptions of that, whether, you know, they think, well, like we did it this way and you weren't fussy. So maybe if you kind of took some of our roles and put them in with your kids, which, you know, we've learned a lot about I feel like in the last little while but anyway let's get into the main then so tell me about kind of your experience of meal times as a parent now thinking like in this current moment what does a typical family meal in your household look like now oh now okay um so during the week um my husband Andrew's not here he works away so Monday to Thursday um it's the kids and I eating dinner I will sit with them and pick at things because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting a bit hungry, but I prefer to eat a little bit later. So we were eating at about 5, 5.30. And then I've pushed it now because my older son, who's 10, he then gets hungry and wants a whole nother meal at 8, 8.30 before <laughs> he goes to bed. So, you know, it's like four hours where he's been running around. So he was having, you know, two slices of Vegemite toast and a yogurt and a milk and things when I'm like trying to get him into bed because he's like ready for his next meal. And I was realising that actually we should push that a bit so he doesn't feel so hungry. So I'm trying to push it to six-ish, but then I do sometimes find with my daughter that she's wanting to eat 
earlier. So it gets a bit bit tricky when you've got the big gap, you know, the three kids and there's a bit of a gap. So we do about six-ish. My boys, they're eight and ten, they're very good now. They will sit at the table. We try and do best thing and, and most tricky thing of the day and we chat about some things. But Emma, my youngest, is she doesn't last that long at the table and she's she's up and off and she's still, you know, whinging about the food and I don't, that's not what I want and goes off in a half. And I know from experience, you know, I kind of just leave it. I'm like, all right, well, we're here. Like we're still, we're still here. <laughs> um, Let us know when you want to join in again. Yeah, it's, it's, it's here. Um, and, you know, she, she comes back, I think, because she realizes that that's all that she's going to be, you know, we're not going to be pandering to her and running over and giving her different things. So I have a really positive experience now. It hasn't always been like that now with my boys. Um, and they are fine to try new things. You know, they're not perfect, but they're, they're good enough. And then with Emma, it's, is I still fight, feel like she has a lot of anxiety around what's going to be on the table. and um, But she has a lot of safe foods. Obviously, you know, I've worked with you a lot and um, she is getting there. But I do, as soon as the dinner's on the table, I know that it's going to be an issue. Um, we have a, a lady here who lives with us, um, a helper in Indonesia. Um, and so she does a lot of the cooking and we've had to I mean this is very different I guess Australia but but we've had to have a lot of discussions with her about how I manage it and I do feel like with Emma the reason she has taken so long to get where she is is because we've had a nanny and when we were living in Jakarta back when she was little little I mean we moved when she was three months old um so all of her solids journey was away I in hindsight, should have seen this. I used to leave her a lot because I used to go off with the boys and if it was her lunchtime, the nanny was there and I'd say, okay, just give her whatever. And the Indonesian way is you follow someone around with a fork and, you know, you, you literally like, oh, you don't want that, have that. You don't want that, have that. Um, Come on, eat one more. And she's had that where I think I didn't pick that up until quite late. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why she's taken a long time. And certainly with our nanny now that we've had for a few years, she knows my way now because I'm like, okay, don't, you know, just leave it. Don't say anything. I'll manage it. It's you just, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> and it is so, tricky, yeah. isn't it? Because like feeding somebody else's child, it does feel like, you know, the measure of success is how much they eat. So there's a real like want to please you by getting her to eat well and then you're like no that doesn't please me that makes me more worried so like how do we undo some of these kind of yes yes absolutely yeah and for them like an empty plate and a full tummy is just they just absolutely love it and they can't quite understand how we do things because of the way they you know the, the way their culture is so that has definitely been a thing um but I do find that we do get there. The, the meal time is a little bit staggered in terms of, you know, the boys are finished and then she's making her way back to the table. So I end up feeling like it's quite a long process. You've got two um, sittings. <laughs> I've got two sittings. <laughs> when do you think things changed for your boys? Like when did meal times get easier, do you think? I would say my middle child has always been my easiest. Um, he's never really had too many issues, but I would probably say when my oldest who was very fussy turned about seven, then it all just, he just grew up. And 
certainly the last, I mean, he's 10 now, but certainly the last year, because he's had to do things like go on school camp where I'm not around for four or five days and he's eating Indonesian food and and spicy things and he's going on sleepovers now and going out to families for he just went on like a you know Saturday morning to Sunday night kind of birthday party um yes <laughs> yeah they took them they were they was a pro was a whole thing I would not be doing that two hours is my, is my <laughs> with other people's children <laughs> yeah yeah but now it's just yeah, because he hey, he's had to grow up and realise, like, he's going to take control of this. I'm not around. Um, so that's – I was nervous about him because it did take to about seven for him to be all right, um, but you wouldn't know it now. My old my, – my middle bit one's been fine. So I would say we've been good for a couple of years with the boys, but I'm not out of the woods with Emma. I think I've still got – I think I've got a good few years still with her and her nonsense. It's interesting, though, like – even when you have really fussy eaters, and I know that your oldest had like a number of kind of mm. contributing factors into why that was tricky and it's really like a, a game of trust, isn't it? It's about building that confidence that actually over those seven years, I'm not going to force you to do anything that you don't want to do. I'm going to like offer the opportunities. But when you get to a point where you can trust yourself to have a go at something, and nothing bad happens, like those kind of learnings for them really breed confidence. Like every time you try something and like you're able to take it out of your mouth because it didn't feel right means that you can try it again. And so then you get to a point that when you get to school camp time, you might be like, "Mm, this isn't the way I like my spaghetti at home, but I can cope with it. I don't necessarily love it. I wouldn't be cool. Like I think my six-year-old is very similar um, to your 10-year-old in terms of personality, in terms of lots of things. But I feel like she's much more capable now. And I can see it kind of even building only in the last year or so to have a go at something and be like, oh, yeah, that wasn't what I thought. I'm okay to leave it without feeling like she had to please anyone or put on a show or any of that. Would you say that? Yeah. Yes, definitely, definitely. And it, you know, it it, t- it takes a long time. Um, and I used to get so concerned thinking it's never going to change. Like, how is it ever going to change? But it, yeah, it does. And yeah, I can't believe that it's actually, you know, it's come full circle from him having five foods. <laughs> yes. Which is wild, yeah. you know, like that is such wild. a stressful experience. Tell me more about what you remember from that time. Um. Okay, so yeah, I I remember just being really disappointed in myself, thinking it was my fault that he from really from starting solids at six months, he was just difficult with textures. So going from the smooth purees onto anything with lumps was was a problem. A finger freeze was an issue. And so I thought to myself when he was a baby, oh, it'll just get better, you know, when he's a toddler to get better. And then it didn't and then it just gets there's a time as you know it then just gets worse because then they start to really only have a few safe foods and being your first as well you just think oh it's all I've I've done something wrong like why has this happened um and then I was also thinking okay something must be wrong with him like you can't he can't be you know inverted as like normal you know you know like I was thinking how how can he be so fussy without something like actually wrong I didn't know what but something um so there's like a lot of worry 
And then when the the food, I think when I saw you, the safe foods were so narrow that I thought, imagine if he stopped liking these safe foods. And then, well, then what? Or where where were we at then? And then I was pandering to it so much because I was like, okay, it's got to be exactly like this. It's got to be exactly like that. And then, as we said earlier on in the chat about parents, grandparents, and everyone having a bit of a say, they love, I mean, they love to, to just say, well, you know, this is how I would do it. And this is what this is the issue. And you just got to make him sit there. And so that was an issue. And you, you do feel quite alone because then you're going to, you know, mother's group picnics and all these things like, what should we get for the kids to eat? And you're like, nothing for mom. Yeah. Don't you think you're wired to like notice other people's kids who eat a lot or in the opposite way, if you have a child who eats a lot of food, you notice these kids who seem to eat very little. And so you're just constantly comparing. Constantly comparing. And certainly with the first um, and then when I saw you and I understood the process and Andrew was there, thank goodness that he was there as well to understand the process. And then as soon as like I'd seen you, I guess I'd had Toby because then I was, I think they're only 18 months apart. So then I was busy with that um, and I s- still probably didn't follow the process until Toby was, you know, a bit older and I was like, okay, but the time. And then it all kind of started to flow and I started to relax and be like, okay, I'm it's it's fine but there's certainly times like where you know you're like they're starting school and such an issue with the lunchbox and you couldn't even imagine like getting canteen food because that would be so different um people just ordering you know things from the canteen you think there's just nothing that he would be happy with (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um certainly now um we the school the kids go to now they have like lunches at school no it's not a canteen it's like a you know in America they have yeah. school lunches not Emma's she's an early year so not yet but um that's been amazing for my boys as well in that they can choose but it's a school lunch so it's different but everyone's doing it and it's quite fun because there's a few little bits and pieces you can do have and um yeah that has certainly been rather than just the lunchbox I'm making I do I've certainly noticed that American way that they do where they all sit down and they have to have these foods that they don't know what's going to be there until they get there. Um, I was a bit nervous, but actually I've found they all just sit together and no one's telling them they have to eat. The teachers are not bothered. Um, It's been, yeah, it's been actually really positive to watch that. Yeah, it works. Yeah. I think that lack of pressure is so critical, right? If there was a teacher standing over him saying, like, you have to eat everything on your tray, I feel like even if you like it, that changes the way you experience that meal. Yes. I was, I said to when I went to the canteen to look at it all, I, or the lunchroom, I said to them, you know, are the, what are the serving sizes that you give them? Because that was my concern that they'd get this like lump of lasagna and they just want to go play football. Um, and she said, no, they're very small and they can come back for more if they want. But the initial food that they get is very small. And 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 I think the boys have never been like they couldn't finish because by 10 minutes they want to go. Like, you know, there's only 40 minutes of lunch and they want to go play football. And so that has been quite good. And um, because it's Indonesian food, they've, yeah, they've really... They've certainly done better than I thought they would do. We'll see what we when Emma gets there, how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll report back. There's a line at the end of the tunnel, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you plan your family menu ahead of time? 
I try to. I have great, I mean, I'm always thinking I'm going to. On a Sunday, like I think a week ago when I got back from Australia from the Christmas break, I planned it. And that was great. And then things happen. You have a busy weekend and I, then I don't do the online grocery order and then I don't plan it. So what usually happens is um, our helper will, so I'll do the online grocery order and go and get some things and she'll go to like the wet market and the places that I can't go to. And so we do have to have a discussion at the beginning of the week about the different types of things. But living in Bali, you can't always get stuff. You think you're going to be able to get mints and then it's just not there. Or, you know, some days they will have they might have like uh, wraps or taco shells, but they're not for two months. So it can be a little bit tricky, but I, we, I discuss it with my helper and we try and make a bit of a plan. I would say nine times out of ten at the moment, we're like, oh, on the day. No. I, I identify yeah. Yeah. Always, always the best intention on a Sunday and then like the week after yeah uh, yeah. Oh, yeah it's gradual uh, what would you say is your family's favorite dinner and why is it a winner now I was thinking of this and this dinner is it's really different it's it's cool and I think it's a winner um with the boys because they make it themselves um Emma is tricky but you know what my my helper does is she makes like a fried rice. It's, I don't even know if it's fried rice, but it's rice. It's really easy. It's rice. And then it's got like, you know, the frozen veg mix of carrot, peas, corn. Come Yeah. Yeah. That one. And then pours that in. It must be fried with some soy or something. And then she puts some salmon in it as well. So it's like a salmon-y rice thing. But the fun thing about that then is then we buy the seaweed you know what are they called they like they just like rectangles of seaweed you know you can just eat them as a snack and you get those and you put them on your plate and then what you do is you get a spoonful of this mixture and you put it in the seaweed and you make a little parcel and then you put it in your mouth which is really fun at the moment so it's actually really tasty uh and that was an idea from a friend over here and so at the moment, the kids want, are wanting that all the time. They want to make their parcels, <laughs> roll it like a sushi. Do you buy the fun. big ones, like the nori rolls, or you buy like the little snack pieces? Well, it depends what we can get here. The last time we could just get the snack pieces, then it's quite tiny. Otherwise, you can get the big ones and then you can just, they scoop it up and it's quite a fun. The thing is they like, they quite, as you know, like they like to do things then the more they can do at the table the better because it's like a fun thing of making things if they can make you know their like burgers if they can make their own and then that's more fun for them so yes at the moment that is the favorite we'll see how we how we go they usually <laughs> get bored <laughs> yeah is yeah. there something that your kids won't eat despite it regularly being on the menu yes cooked broccoli they will not eat they will eat the raw and I, I think it's a bit soggy as well really it's quite it you know the tree is not like the night my one of my sons was saying you know the tree doesn't stand up it like goes over when it's cold. <laughs> <laughs> if it's like in a stir fry or something it gets really wilted and falls over and it's like all slushy in their mouth they are funny about cooked vegetables they're very good with eating raw but they find them a little bit slimy and I, I kind of do sometimes <laughs> sometimes agree they yeah. would be much better they always ask if we are having like you know carrots and and broccoli and bits and pieces they'll always say oh can you just leave it don't like just leave it like I'll just eat it like that um, which is a really nice way of being considerate without 
catering to a whole different meal, right? Just leave yeah. it out of the steamer or the stir fry. Yeah. yeah. If you'd rather, yeah, if you'd rather just have like the chicken stir fry, you know, if that's what you want and you can, but you have them raw and you'll, you dip it into the sauce or something like that, then yeah. Um, and they've always been a bit, but then I also think that they sometimes one says, and this is what I've been going on about. I've been, I lost my absolute mind the other day because Emma was doing really well at the table. I can't remember what we were eating. And then Toby had to say, oh, what was it? It was something to do with, it was some chicken thing. And I mean, Emma knows that a chicken comes from an, an actual real chicken. Yeah. She gets that. Um, but Toby had said, oh, was this chicken killed today? Was it flying around in the morning? Oh. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, stop. And then she was like, what? What do you mean? Where, where did you get it from? Did you see it? What colour was it? Oh. So, and then it was a disaster. So, um, yeah, they, and if they do say one, if they if the boys say one thing about the food that's negative, she picks up on it straight away and she's running off. So, they have been warned many times just to just leave it. It's also an easy target though, isn't it, for an eight-year-old oh, boy to just pop the little comment yeah. with conversation. Love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's gold. Do you know one thing I've um recently done is started doing broccoli in the air fryer, just like Ooh. little florets and yeah. just olive oil. And it's like very different from a texture crispy. point of view. Yeah, oh, crispy okay. and like tasty. Like it has a very different... Yeah flavor to steamed broccoli so i'll definitely be trying that (laughs) i'll definitely be trying that definitely (laughs) all right so let's get to the uh good bit i guess when um i notice on your question boxes on instagram you know lots of people who follow you love to hear about the expat life of living in bali and when i was in bali last year on my little retreat i visited you and we went out for dinner, had drinks. It was awesome. Um, so I, I guess these kind of questions are a little bit more about your lifestyle because it looks super fun, but I imagine comes with its own set of challenges. So tell me about what you kind of miss most. What do you stock up on when you come back to Australia? So food or anything, what's in your suitcase yeah. going back to Bali? Okay. So, what? yeah, one of the – and Jakarta and Bali, I've spent a lot more time in Jakarta, but really I'll be – stay the same. They're the same in terms of food, the same country. Um, the main thing that's a problem in Indonesia is the grocery shopping and um, the options like the snack options. There's not really a snack aisle, um, you know, just little things, not necessarily even like treat things, just just stuff that you would use in lunch boxes. Um, so I go completely crazy when I go home to Perth. And luckily, Indonesia doesn't mind how much food you bring in or what what types of food you bring in, because I know that you could never do this going home to Perth. You could never pack literally 25 kg bags of just food. Um, so like muesli bars? Have you got a suitcase of yes. muesli bars? Yeah. Absolutely. So I get, I literally would buy, I'm not even joking, 40 boxes of muesli bars, take them out of the boxes and put them in an airtight container and just pack them like that. And then, you know, then I put them away because I know that when Harry goes and has before school swimming a few times a week, he wants to have something like that because you can't get muesli bars here. So we'll do like the, yep, we'll do the muesli bars. When we lived in Jakarta, and I haven't done it in Bali because it's a bit easier. In Jakarta, we would get a esky in Perth and um, 
get pork. So you can't get pork. So I'd get, you know, frozen pork sausages, bacon, whatever I needed, um, and literally take a whole esky of pork and then just take it <laughs> by the time. And because it's cold in the aeroplane, by the time I got back to my Jakarta house, everything was still frozen. And they don't mind if it's for personal use that, you know, I can't imagine taking it. You're not starting a pork industry on the side. No, I'm not. Yes. So there was that. But now it's a lot of here things like baking supplies. You can't, you know, vanilla essence or baking powder, or I know I'm sure they're somewhere here, but they're certainly not in the supermarket and uh like those cake mixes and oh my gosh things like any of the taco mixes or you know the slow cook cooker mixes and like I'll get so many of them um Vegemite's not an issue here honey is a huge issue if you want to buy honey here um the same honey that we'd get at home you know you'd be spending about 70 dollars for a honey here it's just because it's imported anything imported is so expensive so mainly that and then I literally buy the whole of pharmacy triple seven and bring that bring that back as well as much <laughs> as I literally can as much or sprinkles uh, as much as I can I just chuck in <laughs> I would just love to see your like suitcases going through the scanner yeah. they're like oh this lady's yeah. opening up a baking shop in yeah. Barbie, apparently what's she doing yeah that doesn't seem to funny. Mind. Yeah. And all right. So next question. I know that you have um recently taken up the scooter life. I was taken for a little ride on the back of the scooter it's, because it's yeah. just impossible where you live to yeah. go in a car. Like it would take hours to get nowhere. Yeah. How do you yeah. get around as a family? Like you got three yeah. kids. Yeah. It's, so, it's tricky. So in the week when Andrew's in Jakarta, um, my nanny has a scooter as well. So she ta- I can take we each take a boy on the back and Emma goes in the front between our legs. It's not ideal, um, but she stands in the front and kind of sits yeah. um, between us. She's very good at doing it now. Um, was so, she yeah, scared so for, to do that initially? No, lo- loved it, but was, <laughs> moving, you know, no fear, was moving around too much. So I'm like, no, 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 you do not move around. You don't put your, you don't touch anything on the steering. You don't be pressing things. Um, so my nanny arrives Um for school drop-off. So she comes and we go in convoy. Um, I like to see, um, even though she's would definitely be a better scooter driver than me because she lives here, um, I can't have the kids out of my sight on a scooter. I've got like a freak out if she got caught with a red light or something and then I, I didn't see her for five minutes, I break down. So we kind of go in convoy. Should we take the kids and then at school I pick up time we do the same and then on the weekends we can do it because Andrew is here but I can I do find I was saying to a friend here the the other day I never thought that three kids was a lot of kids until I moved here and I was like I can't physically take all my children somewhere like that is really annoying and now though I like the other night we had no water in the villa so I couldn't wash dishes I was like right Andrew's away it was a Sunday. Um, I needed to get dinner for the kids. So nowadays I can actually order a Gojek, which is a bike, someone, you know, like a taxi bike. And when they arrive, I just put Harry on with that guy and just be like, we'll follow each other to where we need to go. So we're getting there. I I worry about it all the time. Like it's not something I'm like, oh, this is really fun. But at the same time, it's there is no ways I mm. could 
I could car, especially with shortcuts. There's like the Changu shortcut, all the different shortcuts where it's nowadays it's becoming more and more that you can't have cars here. They won't allow cars through shortcuts and they won't fit. And so and how long would it take to get to school if you were driving a car? So it, if we got caught, if the traffic was bad, so if I go Which on it a always scooter, is. It always is, yes. If I go on a scooter, it takes me two minutes. Um, it's only a kilometre. But a car, you could be 40 minutes yeah, because wow. you're just in a row of cars. You're just waiting for the row of cars to go. So, yeah, we get there, but it's, it's different. I'm impressed. I mean, I can't even, like, riding my just, like, bicycle with a child on the back is wild experience. Yeah. Like, I just am so wobbly. Yeah. I can't even imagine yeah. having two on there. Plus, you're, like, also a bit anxious about the traffic. Yeah. Plus, like, everyone's tuning in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, school bags. I didn't even think of those. School bags, yeah. So, yeah, it is. It's wow. insane. Look at all the it. skills you've learned that you never knew. I know. <laughs> never knew. Never now, thought. Other than being able to ride a scooter with multiple people on it, what is one of the biggest benefits of living overseas with a young family? Okay. So, when they were little, now not so much, but when they were little, having the help of a nanny is just, it's just amazing. You, okay. You can't Before even... we get any further. Tell me about this life because, like, tell me the gory details of having somebody to help you with the day-to-day things. Like, what does that look like and what does that mean for yes, your life? Okay. But for my life, so here in Bali, our lady lives with us because we brought her from Jakarta because when we said we were leaving Jakarta, she was so sad. She's only 28, so she hasn't got kids or a family or anything. She was like, oh, I'll just come with you. And I never thought she'd leave Jakarta. Um, and so I said, sure, we'll find a place where you can live with us. And luckily this house we're in now, and a lot of houses are like this, they have a staff area. So it's not in your house, but it's a little room connected to the garage. I mean, it's very nice, air-conned and things. Um, so she lives here. And for safety, she needs to live here because Andrew's away. If someone got sick at 3 a.m. and I'm going to a hospital, I need someone here. So for safety, she has to be. So she will come in and take the help me with the kids to school. Then she comes back. It's amazing talking about this because it's just like why well, I know in Australia this is why why it oh, it's like listening to like this incredible story like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell me more. She comes in and because the houses here are so big and they get so dirty here. I'm not sure what all the I don't know what it is, the dust. Um in Perth you don't have to clean your house every day, but here it's dirty. Um she will clean up the kitchen from like when I've been in the day doing all the breakfast stuff. She'll clean that up. She'll go make the bed. She'll grab all the washing and she'll do washing and she'll clean the house in the mornings. Um, so the house is completely done. The washing is completely done. Oh. And then, I know. Then she goes off and has her time. And then she comes back and we pick the kids up. If I were to take one to tennis or one to football, she's helping with others because it's, you know, go to one's gonna be home or whatever and then she'll cook the dinner whatever I've decided she'll just do some bit not always all of it she'll cook some of it and then she's just around if I'm like oh Minnie I just want to go and get something from this shop or whatever she's here for the kids to just be here because she's lived with us for so long she knows us so well and the kids think of her as like a family because she's always in the house so and then she'll clean up the kitchen she might go back to her room for a bit. She'll come back about eight o'clock. Sometimes she might just see if she needs to clean something up. She'll get the school bags out. So essentially, she just does all the work. That I don't know how we live in a, or live in Australia and not go insane. It's actually incredible how we do all of that. 
at home. Well, I think we are all going insane. Yeah, because she she really, I mean, she's working most of the day doing these things that we all do at home. Yeah, so, and then she, if we want, we can pay her extra and she'll babysit, you know, like for nights out and things like that. But the the downsides, there is always downsides to everything. So I I do, I mean, I love it and I know how, how, you know, blessed we are to have this life. The downsides are you don't know who you're getting. Yeah, when you do get a nanny, you have no idea who these people are. The not Minnie, she's fantastic. The helper before us, before Minnie, um, stole from us for about two years' money, really? which we didn't realize. And friends have had other issues because you don't know, you know, who these people are. And the other, so you've got to be careful in in a sense of like, you know leaving things out and oh not anymore because I, I trust her completely but when you're new and you don't know the, the life um so there's that different ways of parenting so from a different culture perspective if you are working and you you actually got a nanny to look after your kids a lot you got to it's very much a different way of parenting so you got to look at, at that as well and then the other thing which I've got totally used to but I didn't and some people can't handle it can't handle someone in their space yeah so I'm never home alone, like ever. So I'm not walking around in my undies. I'm not, you know, if I really want to like yell at the kids for something, she's watching. Reporting back. Tut, tut, touching away. Um, So (laughs) there's, yeah, there's that type of thing as well. But really, it it really is the way that we just feel so relaxed here because we haven't got that burden. And when I grew up in South Africa, it was the same. We had helpers. Just that burden that we have in Australia of so much to do, just there's, it's just relentless. Um, so, yeah. it's So it sounds like with this way, like you can give up the stuff you don't like and actually just have more time to be with your family without that like looking around you being like, oh, that needs to be done, that needs to be yes. done, that needs to be yes. done. Definitely. And so I, I don't have a nanny as such because I don't need that because I don't, I have the time. Um, So I can do what I want with the kids knowing I haven't got to get home to cook dinner or I can swim knowing that I haven't got to come in and get things sorted. Yeah. So that, that is certainly, it certainly changes how, definitely changes how you parent because you haven't got things on your mind, like that you've got to get done. Um, yeah for sure it's the mental load like they're taking away yeah. a significant yeah. chunk of the mental load yeah and you're paying yeah. for it yeah absolutely and oh, we sound like a dream yeah <laughs> we pay them and we pay them well and we look after them well because you know they're looking after your children so it's I know people come over and um, are like oh you can you can just pay you know a few dollars an hour to a nanny here and and I'm like well why would you wouldn't you want to pay more because you know like they're 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 literally looking after the most important things in your world so yeah it's yeah interesting yeah oh, so i i could hear about that for days <laughs> just like people doing jobs for you and you're just like having time oh amazing all right so we get to the end bit tell me this is something i ask everybody what is the weirdest thing you've ever eaten right this was something i really was thinking about a lot i think it probably was when we were living in South Africa and we would go to like these game farms. So with this, all these different animals um, and they had, 
I was little, so I can't remember exactly what animal it was. It was some kind of game and they had, it had been killed and they were just slicing off bits of the meat of this animal that you could still see it was, it was still had its fur and everything on and then would like tiny little slices of it, like really thin and then putting salt and bits and pieces on then just eating it. And so that was, I can't remember it actually. I think I was all right with the fact of it, but that when you actually can see that that animal is is still an animal, just it's what Toby was telling Emma about with the chickens. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that it had was red feathers and it was flying around about twenty minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, so that would be my that would be my weirdest thing. I would say. Do you yeah. reckon you could do that as an adult? I don't think so. Mm. I I I'm a bit funny. I'm certainly not a vegetarian. I never will be. But when you put the two and two together, it makes me feel weird. And I think yeah. that's probably quite normal for a lot of people is you can you can be eating something, but when you realise for me, like if I'm eating a steak that's really rare and there's blood everywhere, you can eat it, but it, when you if you actually sit and think about what you're doing, it's a bit weird. Yeah, so I do often And I do think bit- there's something different between like your logical thought about it and then visually seeing that kind of animal in front of you is a very yeah. different experience, isn't it? Sure, for sure. Absolutely. So I'm guessing yeah. that's not what's for dinner in your house tonight. What <laughs> is for dinner or have you not decided yet? No, we've decided. Tonight I've been waiting. So there's no f- fish or fresh things in the supermarkets in terms of like I want to get some salmon. or And I said to Minnie the other day, our kids have not eaten much fish lately. We eat a lot of fish back in Perth. And this is the thing is that like we can – as much as I talk about the benefits of of helpers, it's actually impossible to live here without one because jobs take so long. To you can't just go to Coles and get everything you need. It's like you go there and then you go to go to the wet market and then you got to WhatsApp someone to get your fish and then you've got to go and get your your one your quinoa from like another little shop and you know it's it's a whole process going out and getting what you need. So anyway. I there's a, a fish guy in Jimbaran Bay, which is where all they do all their little fish. And a friend had said, Oh, you message this guy and he'll tell you what the cat they go out in the morning and they get the fish and they tell you what they've caught and then they'll deliver it to your house. And so I've been waiting because I wanted some white snapper. I've been waiting for like five days. And every day he's like, Oh, we caught this, we caught this this morning. And then today he's like, Oh no, we have caught white snapper today. So we're I know dropping it over and I'm not actually I said to Minnie I'm not sure how they're going to drop it are we going to be deboning this and cutting it or filleting um this is how you have to get your fish here again why I would never have the time to do this she probably doesn't have the time either <laughs> but we're going to try we're going to try and make crumbed fish tonight yep. uh, and hope that there's not too many bones in it so that would be yeah and what that's you with? I think we're just going to do fries and salad and have a fish and chips night and just again really wanted tartare couldn't get it that that took me about an hour to find so I spend a lot of my time just trying to find things that you would find so easily in Australia and you just you just can't but anyway I feel like there's a little side business for you there like a little kind of import bit oh I know yeah it's so nice to talk to you tell me where people can find you if they a, want to see more about your expat life or B, join something like your breastfeeding membership or your bottle refusal course? 
Yeah, sure. So um, I hang out on Instagram, Susie Pratt Lactation. I know there's things like TikTok and things these days, but I just feel like that's, I can't I can't do more than one and I won't be. So I'm over at Instagram and you can find all my links through there. I do have the bottle refusal program and the learning to breastfeed which in, in a membership. Um, and I just chat about random stuff, really, a bit like you and yours. Queens <laughs> of the random. Never come Hey, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's that's me. So good. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate it. Oh, awesome. Anytime. See you now. A huge thanks for tuning in and listening to my podcast. This is all brand new for me, so I'd love to hear your feedback. Give me a review or send me a DM. I'd love to hear your thoughts. And above all, I'd really love you to hit that subscribe button to keep listening. Thanks.